This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. So our guests are here, like already said, and without further ado, I'm going to be we're going to be reading out their profiles, and the moment we read out their profile, we shout in the covenant way. And then they come up to sit here on stage. Now, the first person I'll be introducing this afternoon, I have the privilege of introducing this afternoon, is someone we all know as, or popularly called LT. She's fine like that. And many of us know her on the Instagram streets. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, Toju Oluwatoyibo is a phenomenal woman, a mother and a wife to Pastor Dami. She's a vlogger and speaker and has been invited to speak at various events and conferences. She's uniquely recognized for the peculiar way she talks about godly marital relationships with practicality and depth, yet with so much humor. Toju hosts online sessions on understanding marriage and has authored a book titled Zero to Ten, Rate Yourself, Ten Reasons You Might Be Wrong About Mr. Right. Apart from being a relationship mentor, Choju is passionate about raising her children and building a godly home. In her Instagram post, Choju likened a marriage with how we relate to God. And she said, and I quote, Your marriage will not run on feelings. It will run on commitments. Sometimes, believers say they don't feel God. And they don't feel he counts on them. Our relationship with God is not feelings-based, but faith-based. So we continue to pray, we continue to praise, we continue to study our Bibles, and we continue to evangelize, as well as continue to trust Him. Tojo is steadily building mass listenership and raising an army of more enlightened couples who are living godly ways in their homes. With Jesus' joy in our hearts, I want us to rise as we celebrate the person and ministry of Pastor Toju Dami Oluwatoibo. Please celebrate her the covenant way. Come on. Thank you so much, Ma, for joining us this afternoon. We love you. We appreciate you. All right, Corey. Thank you very much. Okay, so our next speaker is Mrs. Punta Ibuoye. Punta Ibuoye is a dynamic individual who has achieved remarkable success in various domains. Presently, she holds the esteemed position of the CEO at 528, a renowned global firm specializing in interior design, architecture, and property development. Punta leads a passionate team dedicated to creating transformative transformative spaces that elevate the way people live, work, and play. Funta is an alumnus of Joseph Business School and a graduate of Covenant University, where she graduated with a second-class upper degree in accounting in 2010. Shortly thereafter, she attained a chartered accountant certification in 2011. Her exceptional contributions have garnered widespread recognition across notable platforms. In 2017 and again in 2023, she was honored as one of the most inspiring women in Nigeria by leading Ladies Africa. In 2020, in 2020 Mogulet Africa celebrated her inclusion among the 100 most inspiring moguls. The Richer Woman Inc. further acknowledged her impact 
naming her one of the 100 most impactful women in 2022. These accolades serve as a testament to the fact that Funta is very consistent and dedicated, and she's influential in her field. Beyond our role at 528, Funta is the visionary force behind Recalibrate Academy, a faith-based business coaching initiative set up to raise kingdom-minded, profitable, and influential entrepreneurs who advance God's agenda in the marketplace. Through our books, coaching programs, and speaking engagements, Funta has taught the lives of numerous individuals globally. She is blissfully married to Akiade Iboye, also known as Gaze Baba, and they are blessed with three children. With Jesus' joy, let's appreciate and welcome Punta Iboye. Thank you, Ma. All right, guys. Our third guest this afternoon is another extraordinary woman. Pardon me. Well, that tongue twister, doing extraordinary things in her sphere of influence. Dr. Mayokun Fadeibi, I hope I got that right. I'm just an Edo girl, I don't know. Dr. Mayokun is a strong business development and strategy professional with vast experience across a variety of industries, from technology, e-commerce, online classifieds, to marketing at startups and mature companies. Mayokun holds a PhD in business analytics from Berkeley University. She started her career as a research intern at the Union Habitat in Kenya, at the UN Habitatory in Kenya, and continued to build her career in data analytics while in the US before she eventually moved back to Nigeria, where she took up a role as a senior business development manager at OLX and subsequently served as the acting country manager at OLX. She then moved on to, to CAS 45, where she was responsible for a number of functions, including commercial operations, marketing business optimization, and intelligence, lead management, and customer service. She's a member of the founding team at AutoCheck Africa, and she currently serves as the Senior Vice President West Africa, where she manages Nigeria, Ghana, and Cote d'Ivoire operations. Ladies and gentlemen, because I know there are some men here with Jesus' joy in our hearts, please let's welcome and celebrate the grace that is Dr. Mayokun Fadeibi. You're welcome, Ma. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And you look lovely. Can I take this two-piece home? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Okay, last but definitely not least is an extraordinary woman, Ola Oladele. Ola is an accounting graduate and a CFA chartered holder, a member of the CFA Society Nigeria. She started her career in Treasury as a Naira dealer at Kakawa Discount House. Then she subsequently moved to trading money markets and fixed income securities at FBN Quest Merchant Bank. Before moving on to establish a financial wellness company, her last role was at Passion Partners Limited, a fixed income interdealer brokerage firm. As executive management, recording successes like launching the first ever Nigerian Treasury Bills Investment App and successfully commercial paper and bond issues. Her company, Ola, Oladele.com, 
is a social enterprise committed to driving positive change by aligning with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, specifically focusing on goal one, which is poverty, goal three, good health and well-being, and goal four, which is quality education. They are on a mission to bridge the pervasive financial education gap in Africa. At olaoladaily.com, Ola founded the Money With Club, an exclusive investment community and has facilitated the personal finance workshop and trained staff of top organizations in different countries. In 2023, she launched the Money With Show, a prime-time personal finance education radio show that airs across Nigeria and on all major podcast streaming platforms. Ola is a prolific speaker on finance, investing, and economy-related matters, and has been featured by BBC Africa, BBC Africa, and Business Day, amongst other local and foreign traditional and electronic media. She is on the faculty of Tekedia, Tekedia Minim MBA, and Joseph Business School, Lagos. On the back of our work as the pioneer chair of the Gender Diversity Committee of the CFA Society Nigeria, Ola received a scholarship from the prestigious 30% Club to attend the reputable Cambridge University Rising Women Leaders Program. She is an alumnus of the Oxford Executive Leadership Program. Ola was listed as one of the 9 to 5 top 100 career women in Nigeria, and she is a member of the board of the Covenant Community Groups. She is happily married with two boys. Please, let's Very welcome... Very strong women. Very strong. Let's appreciate Ola Oladili as she comes Woo! up. You're welcome, ma. Welcome, ma. In the spirit welcome. of shooting their shots, can I have this outfit too? <laughs> okay, welcome. All right, we're getting right to it. So, Corey, where do you want to stay? Okay, let me go that way. So we're getting right to the question. So um, we sent out a link and some of our ladies from across board sent messages, um, sent um, questions there for each person um, on areas regarding relationship, career, business, even, I mean, most importantly, spirituality. So we're going to be taking them one after the other, Ma, and um, we'll just get right to it. So um, the first question goes to Pastor Toju. And um, this one's actually deep. Is it normal to have retroactive jealousy? That is, retroactive jealousy. That is, the, per- the perceived threat that a person feels about their partner's past romantic relationships. How does one overcome it? Wow. You know, start from the shallow waters. Just no. go, dive into it. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Particularly good afternoon, Pastor Toy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very delighted to be here. Well done on all the work so far. Be women, how are you doing? Amazing. Um, and to the fellow beautiful powerhouses, I greet. Um, it's very possible. <laughs> it's very possible for you to have feelings of jealousy or insecurities or whatever about your spouse's past. Imagine future, imagine present. (laughs) Um, Either because you feel you're still growing into some aspects of your own life that you feel this past person had before, 
or you feel your spouse enjoyed in that person that you don't yet have, or you don't just see yourself as good enough as God sees you, or even good enough as your spouse already sees you, so you're comparing. Or maybe there was an issue of trust and your spouse broke your trust with that person at some point. So um, it can come in. And sometimes it's totally unfounded. There's no basis for it. But again, you're just comparing yourself. So it's very possible. I tell people you can be married and have wandering affections. I don't know why we feel when we get married that that's the end. My eyes are close to all men. Even if your eyes are close to men, the eyes are not close to you. And may you not see the thing that will make you enter that place. Because it's very possible. So we're not saying um, it can happen, just be careful. So how do you get out of it? I think it's important that first of all, you see yourself the way God sees you. And you reflect on that as often as you can. Eventually, your mind and God's mind, because you have the mind of Christ anyway, it becomes more aligned. And so as he's thinking, you're also thinking about yourself. And as the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So eventually, as you think more about it, you see yourself and you become more of that. That's number one. Number two, have a conversation with your spouse about it. Don't hide it too much. Um, At some point, you might not be able to deal with it as much as you think you can deal with it. And it can fester. And there's something the devil does, especially with the women. Maybe especially when you've had an argument with your husband. Has it ever happened? That's happened to me before. Has it happened to you before that... You are forced with your husband, you argue. Okay, we don't fight, we still argue, debates, have difference of opinion. And then when you now sleep, you now say, Chai, I don't remember one point. I should have given him finishing move without point. And you that in your mind, you said to you are doing Bible righteousness, you not allow the sun to go down on your road. Your husband has said sorry, you have said sorry, I've had makeup sex, you have kissed, you have prayer, go to bed. Tomorrow morning, you now wake up. And the thoughts will now come. And you now say, but actually. And so a lot of times you have to question your thoughts. Like this thought I'm even thinking, is it really mine? Right? And so have that conversation and be open with your spouse about it. And let them help you walk and talk through it. And then finally, for time, say, give yourself time. Be patient with yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. You're still becoming, you're still growing, you're still evolving. And the person you will be in two, three years is going to be very different from who you are now. As long as you're paying attention to studying, improving yourself, confessing the word, and enjoying your marriage. So whatever it is that you're comparing, you'll be that and more if you need to be that. Otherwise, you should just continue being the best version of your own self. A round of applause for her, please. It was well said, one. Awesome. So this question is for you, Ola. Right? I know there's a lot of talk on financial independence, independence, and all that. What does financial independence look like in 2023? And how can a woman in her 40s, below 40, achieve financial independence before 40, for the age of 40? So, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, and I'll go straight to the question and the answer. Um, financial independence is basically getting to the point in your life where you're, you can meet your own needs. Um, personal finance is personal. For someone who has a lifestyle where they eat out every day and someone who, eats, who cooks at home, 
your cost basis is different, so you can't compare. But financial independence is getting to that point where the you are positioned now in terms of I can meet my bills now, and I know that the bills that are coming in the future I'm positioned to meet them, and it is possible. There are some people that are not afraid as the currency is getting better or worse. Why? Because they are positioned. It's not about how much they have in their accounts currently. It's about the positioning. So it's a mindset and a and actions as against an event, right? Um, and then the next thing to also note is that it's personal. Your definition of financial independence and your cost basis is different from the next person. So it's a mindset, not an event. So how can someone achieve financial independence? So there are three stages. There is making money, there is managing money, and there is multiplying. Making money is what we all know, right? Um, you exchange time for money in whatever shape or form. Either you're running a business or you have a salary. So your goal with making money is to make as much. How do you make as much? You upskill. Um, either you upskill, if it's work, yes, upskill in the core job and then in also relationships and stuff, but become a better version of you. That's making money. Now, managing money is where the problem really is for a lot of people. Um, because you find that people, you start from earning 100K a month. When you're earning 100K, you were taking bus, you were going to um, Mama Poots, blah, blah, blah. You are now earning 1 million. Now you are going to one restaurant to eat Amala for 10K. By the time you finish one meal, it's 20K. And you realize that when you were, when you were earning 100K, you did not have savings. You're earning one million, you still don't have savings. Is it about increasing the making money? No. There's a managing money part of things that you need to figure out. So figure that out. The goal of managing money is so that you have money that you can invest. That means you have extra that you can put into other things. Now, the big deal is in multiplying. Multiplying is just think of sowing a seed, right? Um, think of your apple. You have an apple, there's a seed inside. You eat the apple, the seed is left. A farmer will see that seed and he will take it and plant it. And then guess what? In a couple of years, he has a tree. And that tree produces apples every year. That is what multiplying money is. So yes, there's, there's, there's the part where life can happen. But imagine for that farmer... If he actually sows the right seed in the right environment, gives it time. After it blossoms, every year, he would harvest the apples, come another year, harvest the apples. So that's the positioning that I'm talking about as against an event of, ah, I hit the lottery, I won the lottery, somebody dashed me money, exactly. So that's so you make money, you manage, and then you multiply. Awesome. A round of applause, please. Um, Thank you very much. Um, okay, so the, the question I have here is directed to FI, especially because um, we know that you are the kingdom businesswoman. That's what's, I mean, that's the emphasis of your message. So this person says, what advice would you, would you give to young women looking to align their professional aspirations with their spiritual convictions, especially in instances where there's a conflict between both? That's a very interesting question. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you so much, TPO. I love you. I celebrate you. Um, so to answer the question, I'll first say that we need to first off understand that our spiritual life is not separate from our every other life. It's not separate from your business. It's not separate from your career. Everything flows from your spiritual life. So I'm not a spiritual person 
when I come to church on Sunday and then on Monday I'm a different person at work. No, I'm the same funto I am Sunday through Saturday, right. right? And that flows in how I run my business, how I build my family, how I, you know, do my marriage, right? So it flows in. So having that understanding first off, you know, helps you to helps you to understand that it's not it's not in boxes. Your spiritual life and your business or career life it's all it's all a flow right so how do you so you, so you can't say so the question is how do you sorry uh, what's the question again how do you separate both or how do you so she, align the question how do you align how do you align the, the conflict between both how do you like especially in instances where there's a conflict between a both conflict. Ah, that would be like what kind of conflict Wait, i mean mm, okay maybe maybe you're working like in british tobacco Interesting. So, but I'll say that first off, you know how you know there's this whole noise about secular and kingdom, you know, especially in the music and entertainment industry, right? I think it all boils down to the same thing, even in the corporate world. If I am, if I find myself working in maybe British Tobacco as an accountant, right? I'm a chartered accountant. I'm supposed to give accounting services, and I'm supposed to do it excellently, right? First off, whatever it is that you find yourself doing, do it as unto the Lord, right? Give it your best. Do it excellently, so that when people see you or when people come across your work, they're like, mm, whoever did this work is good, right? So if you're not having issues with where you're working. Is the tobacco, are they forcing you to drink the tobacco? Are they forcing you to smoke? If it's now like that deep, you don't want to, you don't want to affect your spiritual life. If it's really affecting your spiritual life, then maybe you should think of moving. But if they are not forcing you to take their call, I mean, I have friends who work in Guinness, who are believers, kingdom driven. They work in places like Guinness, but they are giving their best at their work, right? Because the truth is, if we don't go to, the scripture says, go to the world, make disciples of all men. How are we going to make disciples if we are not in the world? Right? If we are not there, how are we going to make disciples? Right? So people need to see you there. And they, don't, they, they should not just see you there. Ah, this person, she's always reading her Bible every morning. You know, when it's 11 o'clock, you'll find her in the cafe praying and scabashing. No. It's good to pray and scabash. But how do you do your work? Is your work good? Is your work excellent? So I think at the, at the, at the end of the day, it boils down, boils down to what kind of work you produce. Does your work show that you're truly a spiritual person? Does your work represent God? Do you give it your best? Right? I think that's, that's our answer. All right. That was, I think that was well answered. And shortly before, please, a round of applause for her. And um, before Corey continues, I would like to welcome anyone that just joined us. This is a special panel session for ladies under 40. You're welcome. This is the Covenant Place right beside the National Theater. All right. Um, and so we don't create room for assumptions. Um, we have Pastor Toji here, and she's, you know, she's going to be handling all areas, relationship and marriage. We have the, the incredible FI, and she's handling business and entrepreneurship. We have Dr. Mayokun, and that's career progress, and Mrs. Ola, financial security. Please, a round of applause for our guests again. I needed to do that again. Korede, what do you have for us? Okay, so this question is for Dr. Mayakon. So we know that the workplace is changing rapidly. What would you say are the top skills that someone, a woman below 40, or any woman for that matter, should have in these times to stay relevant in the marketplace? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? 
great. Thank you so much uh, for having me this afternoon. And I can, just a side note, I can tell that you guys got that profile from somewhere else because I typically don't use the doctor. <laughs> so I was shocked when you started with that. But thank you again for having me. Now, in terms of the skills, right, um, I don't necessarily want to look at it from a gender perspective because in the world we're in today, in the... Um, in the times that we find ourselves, for anyone who wants to be successful, you have to have that willingness to learn, regardless of whatever uh, career you're in, whatever the job it is, whether it's a doctor, finance, entrepreneurship, operations, whatever it is. That willingness to learn has to go with you into the workplace. And I say this because I've come across a lot of young people who would go into a job. It's not necessarily what you were hired for, right? Other opportunities come in, in the organization and you're put forward for it and you see people saying, they're giving me extra work. They're, what's this? No, 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 they're using me. No. The reason why someone is willing to give you that extra work is because they have identified something in you. They have identified that ability to deliver. Nobody would be willing to place anything into the hands of somebody that cannot do the work. So that ability to learn is very, very important. And then not just that, that ability to listen and take feedback. You have to listen to your peers and also listen to your managers and be willing to take the feedback that is being given you on a daily basis to improve yourself, to improve your work, to ensure that you can continue to deliver even better. Now, the last thing I will talk about is you have to be willing to work. I mean, this might seem very obvious, but I've also found out that it is not quite that obvious. If you are getting into a job, if you've entered into a role, you're in the corporate environment, you need to be willing to do the work. Doing the work means sometimes going the extra mile. Doing the work means, like I said, sometimes taking on other responsibilities. Doing the work sometimes means you have to work on Saturday. But I've heard again, very young people, apologies. I've heard young people say, no, these are my hours. This is what is in my contract. Ah. Gen Z. I wasn't going to use the word Gen Z, but... <laughs> so you have to be willing to do the work. There was a lady that um, I was in a session, apologies, I was in a session a few months ago and she said, listen, I've come into this work I'm working with very senior people, but the work is too much. My mental health. <laughs> I had to tell her, I said, listen, you should be so grateful for that opportunity you're in. You're working with, you're an entry-level position and you're working with EDs. Don't see it as these people are trying to use me. You should actually embrace it, right, and take it on. So that's what I mean by just being willing to do the work. Put yourself out there. And then just keep, and then, of course, the last but not the least is 
being willing to learn and go outside, upskill yourself, right? All I said it, upskill yourself. If you need to do some work on the weekends, if you need to do some training, make sure that whatever you are interested in, you're actually taking the steps to learn and get better at that role. Okay. I just want to, you know, feed off from the, there was a comment you made about, um, you said putting the work, you know, putting the extra hours. How does someone find that balance between putting in their work, putting in everything, and being taken advantage of? Because a lot of employers tend to take advantage of that. So how does an employee, someone that's having their career, someone that's just starting out, how do they find that balance between, call it work-life balance, if you like, between, you know, putting in the extra work, doing everything, and not being taken advantage by their employer? Okay. So first of all, work-life balance is a myth if you're willing to do the work. It's literally work-life integration. What am I going to do at any particular point in time and understanding what I need to prioritize in that moment? So in some days, what you need to prioritize is yourself. In some days, what you need to prioritize is the work. Now, in prioritizing yourself, especially if you're working, that, that's why I want to make the... Um, the distinction, right? There's some places where, yes, you're being taken advantage of. But in most cases, I have to say, sorry, because I work with a lot of people and young people, so I'm a bit stern when it comes to things like this. In most cases, nobody is waking up to really oppress you or take advantage of you, right? The work needs to be done. So in a way, again, going back to how do I prioritize what I need at a particular point in time. And also understanding their times and seasons. What phase of your life are you in? You might be at a phase of your life where, like you said, you're just starting out. You need to do the work. You need to set the foundation. You need to learn. You need to grow. There are certain times in your life when you would actually be able to take a step back, right, and actually relax and maybe not go as intently. So it is understanding that where I am, me doing the work at this time, it might not last forever, right? Putting that into your mindset. So that's the approach I take to it, to say, okay, if I have to look back five years down the line, ten years down the line, would I remember this time as, oh, I was being oppressed, or would I look back then and say, oh, wow, I learned so much? So it's your mindset and how you approach it at that point in time. Awesome. Thank you very much. All I Thank want you to so add I think the first question um, you should ask yourself is, what is your definition of taking advantage of? Because it's very important. If you see a team and there is a deliverable that needs to go out to a client in a week's time, and you know that the client is putting everybody under pressure, and everybody is working, and the boss says we have to work extra hours, is that taking advantage of? You know, um, so what is that definition? That's the first thing. So you need to define that. I need to draw the line between there is pressure, work pressure, and there is you are being taken advantage of. That's one. The second thing is your goals. In everything you you want to do in life, you should have goals, including your career. If you are in a place, you should know what you are trying to benefit from this place. Um, I'm just starting my career. What is the most important thing I need at this time? For some people, it is money, meaning that you should be negotiating that if I'm in the office after 6 o'clock, I need to get um, whatever. I need to be clocked in. I need to get overtime. 
But if you're saying, okay, I want to build a career in finance, and I know that I don't really know much about this, if your goal for this place is that I need to be able to do one, two, three, four, five, the faster you learn it, the better you can move to the next thing. Such that if your boss makes you sit down and forces you to learn something that other people learn in two years, you learn it in six months. What he has done is that he has empowered you to move to the next place. So, the, so in everything in life, you have to be intentional. Don't just say, I have a job. A job is never really a job. The same way I said you have apple and there's a seed inside. An apple is never really an apple. Your salary is never really just your, your salary. In it is a seed. The same thing with your job. It's never really just a job. There, is, there should be something that it is tied to. If you have that, then it sort of qualifies your decision making and helps you profile if you should really be here or if you should be moving along. Awesome. Wow. A round of applause, please. Thank you very much. Right. I don't know. Is it the rain? I can't explain it. Please, a round of applause. I mean, we're learning so much here this afternoon. So, I'm coming back to LT. And I got like two questions that look alike. But I'm going to read this. And it looks like married people, singles, not really the same question. It was married people. But this one looks deep. So, I thought to just share with you. Without meaning to, I don't allow my husband to touch me anymore. Without meaning to, I don't allow my husband to touch me anymore. I no longer enjoy being intimate with him because I don't want to surrender myself to someone who doesn't honor and respect my body. And this is from accumulated pain over time, from sexting with other women to engaging with Instagram models with big bum and breasts. He is a good man and a believer, and I'm not trying to undermine the power of wrong programming, but how do I correct the, correct, the current image I have of my husband? Someone also talked about unforgiveness. I know he's my friend and he cares for me, but the pain I have to deal with is too much. Why should I lose myself in the bid to not sound or look judgmental? With questions like this, um, they're usually better addressed when you know the details of what is going on, but I will try to be as specifically generic <laughs> as possible. In no particular order, most times when women or men, but in this case women, come to report their husband or complain about their husband, they usually say, but he's a good man, oh, but he's kind, oh. He children's school fees or every other thing is perfect. So I'm like, okay, so you have a great man at home. So that is on one side. It's important that we do not allow whatever our spouse has done to cloud our total judgment of them. That really helps because many times what the devil wants to do with cares and worries and anxiety is to blind your total vision. What the issue is, is that you have no past jam, but the devil makes you feel like the world is against you. What has happened is that you are going through malaria. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's AIDS. Maybe it's STDs. Relax. Drink water. Drinking Novaquin or whatever. In three days, use blood of Jesus. No, use blood of Jesus not for sickness. Use prayer points. You will be fine. So sometimes, even in marriage, the devil does that. I'm not in any way belittling this because this is quite major as well. But know that you are tackling an issue and your marriage, your world, your life is not over, first of all. Number two, um, understand that there is a way out. 
I think that there are very few things that should make you live a covenant marriage. And that's a totally different debate that I don't think even believers are ready for. I don't think we're ready for that debate. Because if he cheats once, I'm out. I will not take it. My father did it to my mother. I'm not going to take it. This is why I said men as comboya. That's why it has happened. Because in your heart, you had been harboring it. Right? I'm not saying it's a good thing. But anyways. Um, so believe that there's a way out. So whether you're going through counseling, you're going through therapy, either together or by yourself. So in therapy, if we don't see the two people, we start working with one person. And this is not to say all the work is on me. Why are the women doing the work? Well, if you want your marriage to work and it's only you that is available for counseling, you will do it, right? And then hope that the tools that are given to you will also help your husband make some shifts. Number three, understand that, like we say, any, anybody that is doing anything, you get why. It's coming from somewhere. So one of the things we'll try to help you do in counseling is also find out where your husband's behavior is coming from. Has he seen something? His associations, um, his sexual past, his parents, what kind of home is he coming from? So we have to dig a lot to know what the root issues are and hopefully be able to prefer some help to him. Sometimes maybe it's you. And I know that, for example, the real cause of a rapist of, a, of rape is the rapists. But sometimes some girls do not dress well. Another conversation we are not ready for. Because we will say, it's the, and I agree, this is the rapist. But why you are naked by 11 p.m. in the corner behind, I don't know. Right? So sometimes the women might have contributed in one way or the other to the man doing whatever he's doing outside. I'm not saying you are the sole contributor, you are the sole reason. Because the other women who have done one thing or the other and the man has kept himself, right? But you also need to look into yourself because sometimes people come into council room and they are bashing their spouse. I'm like, your spouse will not become bad all by themselves, dear. Can you please bring your own black book to this meeting? Because you do have it. And you sit down and you realize that, okay, you actually... And what they usually say is, hey, meet, you know that I have hot temper, but I'm working on it. Lies. You are not working on it. How many books have you read? None. Podcasts you listen to? None. What scriptures are you using? None. But you are working on it. Where's the evidence? Um, so, a couple of things. Not, three things I'll just summarize again. Number one, if you know that you're married to a good person, don't feel too overwhelmed by it. Number two, know that it can work. Go into counseling yourself or both of you and number three, if you have been, we need to go to the roots and find out what the, the root causes are. And if we can pull those roots out, then hopefully we can begin to um, see progress. And finally, if you two are contributors to the problem, um, work on yourself too. When there's change here, there's change there. We can see change everywhere. Thank you. I, I want to add this question. So, so what, what about the, the situation where the man is the one trying to gaslight you in court? Eh, I love you. I take care of you just as an excuse for you not to talk or just or to shut you up when you probably bring an issue and say oh i found this on your phone i'm like and he's going oh he wants to gaslight me to thinking but i take care of you but i think i love you enough that kind of thing so i mean what's the how do you manage that situation what is bad is bad what is wrong is wrong 
the fact that you love your family well enough or you provide doesn't absolve you of what you are supposed to do that is correct. So any man that thinks like that lacks fundamental understanding, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because there are people that are genuinely ignorant. They've not been taught. They've not been exposed to the right things. They genuinely don't know. I've had to accept. It's, it's been hard for me, but I have to accept that there are some people that just genuinely don't know some things that are obvious. I mean, I was on a flight recently, and a guy was confidently boasting, I have a wife, but I sleep with women. But my wife knows that I love her. She knows that when it comes to my children, I don't joke. But I know and she knows that I will always sleep with women. But even those women know that they cannot come near my wife. My wife knows how much I respect her. I'm like, bruh, you can't use cheating and respect in the same sentence. It didn't go. It don't go. And unfortunately, a lot of women have, have accepted it. Because this woman, her friends will call and say, see what your husband is doing. Say, so shall I leave my house because of that? He's taking care of, she's just like, he's, which is really horrible. So uh, that man needs to be exposed to teaching. And there are some points where it's extreme, where a man is sleeping around. I'm not going to sleep with you if you are sleeping around. It comes to things like that. It comes to, you don't want me to talk about it to my pastor or to my mentor, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm dying and I'm not going to let you kill me before I talk. Right? And so there are times where you do need to draw the line. But I think, I believe, maybe it's false belief, but I believe that if people know better, they will do better. So whatever it's going to take to get maybe a man, a mentor, somebody responsible into his space to give him sense, he needs to be given sense. And you need to be firm about it. Thank you so much. A round of applause for LT, please. I like, uh, I like that. If people know better, they will do better. Yes. That's really good. Okay, so Funta, one of the things I appreciate about you is the fact that you always emphasize on us representing God wherever we are, whether your business, whether in your career and everything. But there are times when people get in a dilemma where they have to make a decision, right? So can you share an example of that kind of situation? A situation whereby you had to choose between God and the world as it were, and how did you, how did you navigate that situation? Okay, very good question. And one example that comes to mind is about three or four years ago, we had this project. We went to bid for the project. We were like six different companies that went to bid. And eventually, they chose two of us, right? And somewhere along the line, we're supposed to pay a PR. So honestly, I didn't, I mean, that was like the first time we're bidding for a project. And you know, the, it was a company who called us to come and the project, and then this person in the company is saying we have to pay. You know, it wasn't even pay, it was finder's fee, right? So I'm like, okay, usually what I understand is if, it's, if I'm paying a finder's fee, it's like that means an agency was involved, and an agency reached out to us on behalf of the company, not me paying someone in the company directly for, you know. So initially, honestly, me, I was like, okay, finder's fee, like, okay. But... Um, I didn't have peace with it, right? I'd already said, okay, but I didn't have peace with it. And then I remember I had to speak with a mentor of mine and he flat out said, no, we don't do that. We are Christians. This is what it is. This person is a big person in the, in the company and this is she, the finder's fee is actually bribe, right? And my mentor said that she turned down the offer. First off, that was our biggest project at that time. 
we had not seen that type of money before, you know. So, but when I spoke with this, uh, my mentor, and he said, no, we're going to turn it down. Honestly, it took me like a few hours to come to <laughs> accept that. You know, so I sent, I sent an email and said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't pay this, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to turn down the project. It was hard, I won't lie. Right, but we turned down the project, and a few days later, this same person sends me a message. And first of all, she says, Oh, Funta, I'm proud of you. Wow. <laughs> Wait, the same person that <laughs> was like, She has been following me, you know, I mean, following my work. Oh, Funta, I'm so proud of you that you didn't do this, and you know, so we are going to give you the project. So I don't even know if that was like a test or it was not a test. You know, but yes, at some point, you know, at some point in time, you're going to have to choose between your integrity and money. See, you, as long as you're doing business with God, you will make money. The money will come. In fact, God needs you to make money, right? But you cannot compromise on certain things. And the truth is, you know, in Nigeria, they'll say, ah, that's how it's done, no? You know, it's PR. Everybody is doing it. So you have to, you know, but if everybody is doing it, others may, but I may not. Others may, but I cannot. I will not, right? So would you stand for yourself, you know? At the end of the day, scripture still says, the good name is better than silver or gold. So I'd rather have a good name. I know it's not easy, like I said, honestly. After that, we've had different, we've had two others, one with a, with a government pastor, but it was so easy for me to, because now I now understood how it was. I'm like, it was so easy for me to say, no, I'm not doing this, right? And same situation. In fact, one, one, we didn't get the contract, and that was fine, but the second one, they came, they came back to give it to us. Right, so I'd rather stand for a good name and my integrity than, yeah. Okay, so I want you to speak to someone who has compromised along the way, but they've heard what you said now, and they want to actually get things right going forward, and they are just thinking that how am I going to, you know, navigate that part? People already know me as someone who is collecting, who is paying bribes and all that. How how can they navigate navigate that? Well, um, so I'll say to the person if you've if you've been in that situation before and you've compromised, you can, there's always a second chance, you know. There's always a second chance to do better. There's always a second chance to be better. Right now that you understand that, okay, this is what it is and I don't want to be a part of this. Hey, you can always, that's, that's what repentance is all about at the end of the day. Like, you got to one point and say, you know, I'm not going this part again. I, you know, do a 180, right? Because, I mean, another case in point that I remember, so we had this um, project that someone in the company, we had, they were already awarded the project, and then the admin person wanted us to, so you know uh, when you give a contract, you put the amount, so the admin person gave us an amount to add to the amount, so that when they pay us, they, they will take their own, and, um, and the thing about it, that person was a Christian, or is a Christian, right? So I'm like, how is it? It's not adding up, ma. I cannot do this. And the person like, literally was even upset that why are you not going to do this? I'm the one who gave you this project. You know, but at the end of the day, you have to stand for what you stand for. At the end of the day, in fact, that project, on that, that particular project, it went so south. The person made life very difficult for us just because, you know, we're not going to add on top of all you. So it wasn't, in fact, at the end of the project, we made so much loss. Let me just put it that way, right? But I was not going to do that. So saying to that person, I mean, if you've been in that situation, you can always, you know, make a U-turn and say, I'm not going to, you know, because at the end of the day, years down the line, different things will come up. If your name is mentioned, someone can say, ah, this person that did this, that's how they remove your name from the list. Years down the line, I mean, I was, I was at a meeting yesterday and someone said, oh, that she just one day in 2019, she just got a text, a phone call that someone just called and said, check your 
check your text message, and she checked her text message, and they had, I, they had listed her for ministerial list. I said, yeah, so that's how they list people for, you know, but they would have come to do their background checks and all of that. So if tomorrow now they want to put me in ministerial list, and <laughs> my name is already stained, ah, no, I want to be on ministerial list. <laughs> but you get the... <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, if you're just joining us online, I, please, we need to prioritize our guys online. Ladies, say hi. Is it this rain or the AC? We should off one. We should off the AC. Please say hi. A special shout out to all ladies watching online. We can see you. We see them watching from Uyo, Abuja, the abroad. We love you and we celebrate you. And then someone sent a question online, and I want, to, I want us to take this, and this is for Ola. It says, um, how can a woman growing her business or her career make money way early in life? Because there's this narrative that if you're working in a corporate environment, it will take so many years to gather wealth. Oh, no, that's not accurate. Um, the fact is that when you're working, you're exchanging time and skill for money. So, like I said, you need to upskill. I need to be intentional. Now, upskilling may not just be upskilling in the work, upskilling in research, upskilling in interview skills, upskilling in networking, right? Upskilling in LinkedIn profile use. <laughs> Do you understand? Um, so, so the fact is, I have seen someone who moved from 150k to 3 million in one move. And guess what? I think maybe her first degree was accounting. But she took interest in a particular field and started talking about it on LinkedIn. So she didn't even have experience per se, but she had an interest in, and she just used to have discussions around it. And a company reached out to her and she got a job and she jumped, right? So what am I saying? Don't first of all, that, that narrative is even something that you shouldn't even harbor because even if it's happening to the next person, it should not happen to you. You should decide that I am different. I am a child of God. And this is how I want my life to be. That's the first. I think that's only the foundation before you now carry on to other things. But then the next thing is, where do you want to be? How much do you want to earn? What do I need to do to become that person? Where are they paying those kind of people that kind of money that I want? The people that are collecting that money, what do they look like? How do I make myself look like that? So somebody will see me and offer me that money. You see, it's not just hope, it's strategy. So when you, see, when you set that goal and start walking back, uh-huh, it begins to make sense. Yeah, and if Do I could just add, actually, yes. you know, there's this false narrative that um, a salary is what they give you to forget your dreams. <laughs> Extremely false narrative. Extremely false. There's this idea that, oh, you go to work to fulfill somebody else's dreams and you can't achieve yours. No. Like she has said, the question is, where do you want to get to? Be very clear. Have that clarity and know that it will take time, right? We are also in a microwave world. You want everything now, now, today, tomorrow. No. But if you actually put in the work within a few years, right, you will get to where you want to get to. And don't also, it's not wishful thinking. Plan for what you want. You've studied this. Okay, you've now come into the corporate world and you see that this is what's actually interesting you. Do the work. Move in that direction. Do the research, like she has said. Take the trainings. Actually put the effort in to achieve what you want to get. Thank Can you. I say something? Yes, please. Just a short story, and I mean to corroborate what she's saying. 
Um, my first job, where I started working, um, my boss's tax was more than my salary, my monthly salary. What she was paying as tax monthly was more than my salary. And then one day she came out and she was complaining that, ah, see the amount of money I'm paying to Lagos State for whatever. And she dropped the amount. And everybody started laughing in the office. She was like, why are you people laughing? No, nothing, man, nothing, man. She was like, no, no, you guys have to say it. That's when I say, Ahma, what you are paying as tax is not up to our salary. It, I mean, our salary is not up to what you are paying as tax. And she was like, are you serious? Are you people coping? You know, she, you know how disconnected she was. Then she now sat down and started laughing. She now said, do you guys know what? I said, she said, give it time. You will be like this. And she said that she just remembered that her boss, this same thing that happened, happened with her and her boss, wow. right? Where his tax was more than her salary and, she, and, she, and, he, and he told her, you will get there. Guess what? In my last job, I, was, I used to sign out for payments so I see everybody's salary, everything, everything. My tax was more than that. Come on. And it was a matter, and I, and I sat down and I smiled and I said, it's just a matter of time. And she just said it. See, keep at it. She said, the day you make that turn, you will not know. Yeah. Be excellent at, like, like she said, be excellent at your work. Be known to be excellent. And just focus. The day you will get there, you'll be like, oh my God, it just happened. And it's not a lie. It is true. Pity, are you sure we will not give her a mic to be to, for evening session to preach? Because that, that touched me on, a, on, a, on another level. So, I mean, we want to give chance and space to um, ladies in the audience who have questions to ask. If you have any questions, we have our ushers in the auditorium and they'll take your questions. Okay, I see a hand. Please just come forward. I mean, we'll take like three. We'll take like three questions from the audience. Good afternoon. My name is Damlola. My question is to Ola. So as a finance professional, I'm also a finance person. So what is the greatest challenge you have had climbing the ladder in finance, especially in FSI? What's the greatest challenge and what motivated you from moving from a paid job to being an entrepreneur. Thank you. Sorry, first, what is FSI? Financial service industry. No, no, sorry. My <laughs> So, anyways, um, greatest challenge, right? Um, to be honest, maybe my personality, first of all, I do not, like, have all problems, right? If you have a challenge, the question is, how do we get past this? How do we get past this? Once we get past it, we are gone. Like, we move on, we forget about it. And I guess maybe to highlight the fact that I started my career as a trader. As a trader, you can't hold on to prop challenges in your mind. It, it clouds your decision-making. So once you make a wrong decision and you find out it's wrong, you cut your losses and you forget like everything about that transaction, you blank, you take it out of your mind. Why? Because if your mind keeps seeing that thing, everything you keep doing after that will just be wrong. And that's how I learned. And that's, I started my career as a trader. So I don't hold on. To, I can't tell you that I had a challenge. I can tell you I had differences. I've had interesting bosses. I've had, you know, interesting, interesting counterparts. I've had experiences where um, somebody did wrong and somehow the Wahala was 
my, my name was somewhere in the conversation and like, how did I enter here? I, you, you understand? But those things happen and I don't think it's peculiar to finance. I think it's just life, life. right? I think it's just, because I mean, this, this one I'm talking about that something happened and it wasn't me. I, I was praying with my friends and a scripture came and it was like God's, um, the Bible, um, it was the scripture that says that God delivered me because of the cleanliness of my hand. Somebody shared that scripture. And literally, that was what happened. So, you see, you have to pray. <laughs> you have to pray. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's that. Um, and in terms of moving, starting my own business. So, I had done 9 to 5 or work. 12, 14 years. And it corroborates what she's saying, right? You don't, like, I built people's businesses and I'm very proud to say so and I can tell you for a fact that the things that I did selflessly in other people's businesses is what's helping me right now with my own company so I used them to test I used they used me they, they trained me they, I made I mean I remember making losses as a trader right in trading they say that when you lose money it's 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 school so when a trader has lost money for you you don't fire the person the person has learned never to do that thing again that's not the time to fire the person right so um so I have worked with all, all sorts. I started mature companies, then my last company was a small company. And I had done wholesale finance, right? Um, my clients were banks, my clients are pension funds, big ticket transactions, right? But I must say that um, in all that, I had started blogging in like 2013 on personal finance because I realized that people struggled with personal finance a lot. I had a friend who was any like times four of me. Her bonus was maybe like times ten of my own. But one day I wanted to travel and I opened my laptop and I bought tickets. And she was like, Oh, how can you buy tickets like that? I said, I am working. What is the problem? And then she's like, Oh, that she not just does not have money. She has BC. And I'm like, How? Yeah, wow. That, I'm you that you're my goal. Wow. <laughs> you don't have money. You know, and then I just realized that it was a trend and it wasn't about how much you make, it's about managing and multiplying. And so um in, I think it was 2020 where I just started a whole, in, during that 2020 period it was very messy for people and it wasn't about how much they earned and so I just started putting out videos on YouTube, blah blah blah, and I just realized that, okay, this thing that had been in my mind a while back, it was coming in front again as something to do so I started while I was working, which is another thing I didn't start, I didn't get my first client after I resigned right, I I started doing stuff until the point where like, okay this work, it's, it's time to make that move, right? And I had saved, I had to see, don't just jump, people of God. Yeah. yeah, don't just jump, right? So I think, I think I was positioned and it was time and it was prayer, right? And it was like, okay, this is something that I want to do and it is time to do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, the second question. Is there anyone? Anyone else? Please come forward. Oh, there's someone here too. Okay. Okay. Good day, everyone. Um, thank you so much to the panelists. My question is to um, Madam Bolali. So, as a creative, I'm a videographer. How do you balance being a woman, the responsibilities that come with being a woman, and growing yourself, your skill, and also balancing a business? How do you active steps for the like productivity? Active steps. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, who did you direct the question to? Ms. Bolani Peters. Oh, oh, oh. I, I think you're in the wrong For me? Oh. Dr. Mayo. <laughs> ah. Okay, so if I summarize the question, the question is essentially how do you balance, right? How do you balance your role as a wife, as a mother, 
and as a creative. Now, unfortunately, I can't help you on the creative side because I'm very far from being a creative. But in terms of just balancing, it goes back to what I said earlier about work-life integration, right? And it's also understanding at any particular point in time what you need for success. So if I use myself as a personal example, in terms of just trying to balance being a mother and being a wife and being a corporate executive, my balancing act has to come from what do I need to succeed? And one of the things I know, being very practical, is I need support. I cannot do it all by myself. Women, we have been conditioned to, you can do it all. You come home, you cook, you clean, you look after the children, you open your laptop, you wake up at everything, you are the one to carry it all on your head. No. Whatever you can do to help yourself, get help. Ask for help. If it is from asking for help with the children. I know there are also particulars about Oh, you know, being careful who you leave your kids with and all of that. So prayerfully, we've talked about prayer here. Prayerfully look for the support that you need around you. So for myself personally at this stage, I have support. I have help at home. I also rely on my family, my extended family to support. I also rely on just making sure I can plan myself. So one of the things that, um, just using a very personal example, part of my job requires that I travel a lot. So I currently manage uh, operations across nine different countries, which means I am constantly traveling. But I have three kids, and I want to be present for those three kids. So in being present for those three kids, what it just means is I am looking at my schedule ahead of time understanding what is coming up in the kids' school at any particular time, plugging it into my calendar ahead of time. So I say that to say, whatever you need to do is plan ahead. Know what is happening. So that way, for example, this last time I was in Kenya and Uganda over the last two weeks. But simultaneously, my kids were starting school. So the first week of school I was in Nigeria, the second week I had to travel. That second week was when parents were supposed to come into school to meet the teachers and all of that. So once the teachers sent me and said, oh, we're welcoming you to school, I sent a message. Unfortunately, I would love to be there, but I cannot. Are you able to provide a Zoom link? And the teacher said, no problem. So the days all the other parents were in class, I was on Zoom. My kids saw me, so they knew I was present for them, right, at that particular point in time. So I say this to say that you just have to balance and ask for help. Women, please, ask for help. And are there any men in the... Yes, we have some of them around here. <laughs> Women, ask, let your husbands also participate. A lot of us women, we treat the men as if they are helping to look after the children. They are helping in the house. It is our house. It is our home. It is our kids, right? Actively include them in that process. 
Can I, I, mean, I, can I just add something real <laughs> quick? Yeah, I will not add to the last part, but let's move on. I learned this life um, integration thing a few years ago, and um, everybody has touched on it a bit. One thing I learned when I left 9 to 5 in 2019 was like Funto said, I, I don't box my life. It's all together. So I'm not a pastor, then a mother, then a wife. So I'm not, in quotes, wearing different hats, as we say. I'm a pastor who is a mother, who writes books, who is a counselor. So I've kind of, and if you're single, I think this helps even more. The things that I do in my life align. I'm not trying to be five interior. I'm not trying to do deco and interior because it brings in money and it's a good thing and it will win me awards and I can go to school and learn it I can actually go to school and learn it and do it very well but it's not aligned with my setup, my makeup, my profile my destiny needs, what the kingdom demands of me, so I will make money but lose myself and lose destiny so teaching, I was a teacher before I became a counsellor, so whether I'm teaching whether I'm training, whether I'm counselling whether I'm speaking as a pastor, ministering, I'm teaching. So my mind is aligned. I'm not doing different things. So my learning is geared towards teaching. Whether most of the trainings and things I'm doing, it's teaching, leadership, people management. There's no struggle. When I say there's no struggle, it doesn't mean there are no hard times or difficult times or process. But I'm aligned. It also came with what she's mentioned about planning ahead, um, and preparing before you leave. Before I left 9 to 5, my husband taught me something a long time ago. If, if, you, if you should always be at a point where whatever happens in your life, you have three to six months savings that you will survive on. So before I came out, even though I had a husband who is very supportive, I needed to have that down. And so I knew what will it take for me to be effective. So home office. Like she said, domestic help. Thank God for grandma, thank God for nanny. Um... The office we run is not far from the house. Children's school, not far from the house. I know not everybody has this opportunity. Church, not far from the house. So my life is together. So especially, like I said, if you're a single and you can plan, if you are able to plan your life like this, we actually planned our life to be like this. There was one time I wanted to live where Funta was living. I admire that place for the longest. But my husband said, by the time we want to go for administration somewhere, traffic, tanker is always falling in that area. Before we reach grammar, we'll have missed the ministration, missed the grammar. So let's live in this place that is eight minutes from grammar, ten minutes from church, ten minutes from school. So if you can plan your life in such a way that it's galvanized. So thankfully, when all of you are complaining about Lagos traffic, I don't know what that is. And I'm not saying everybody has to be like me. But what fits for you work? I don't go through Lagos traffic. Because Lagos traffic can steal your time. It can steal your mental health. It can steal a lot from you. So I don't want to be part of it. I know sometimes you do have to be, but thankfully I've been able to build my life. So what am I saying? Plan and prepare for the kind of life that you want. And you can actually have it. Sometimes it comes in bits, but eventually, like they're saying, you will get there. But make sure that your life aligns. Don't try to do what you're not supposed to be doing. Can I just add on to As I just want to, thank you, Toji, thank you. I just want to speak to the young ladies who are starting, you know, young ladies who probably don't have the opportunity that we have to have helps and drivers and all of that. So I remember when I started, I mean, when I got married um, and I started my business, I think what I just want to say is, first, you need to understand the seasons that you're in part-time. 
So when I got married, there was a season where, I mean, I had not started my business, but I had to go for training. I didn't have a driver. I didn't have a nanny. And my son was, my first son then was going to crutch. So I'll drop him at crutch in the morning. I'll pick him by 6 p.m. And the training I was going for, which is the interior design training that I'm now running the business, it used to be in the evening all the way in Lekki. I used to live in Ikeja. And so I'll strap my baby in the car seat, drive all the way to Lekki. I know how trainings are. They never finish by the time. So we'll finish by 10, and then I'll be racing back on third mainland. You know, and I did that for six months. It was a stretch, but I understood that this is just a season. For where I am going to, I needed to make the sacrifices. So don't, don't start get married now and start saying, ah, because LT and, you know, Mrs. Mayoko have said you should. Yes, get your family, get support. But if you can't afford it, make the most of what you can now, right? I didn't have a driver, I didn't have a nanny. It was hard. I'll get home, and God bless my husband, I love you. But sometimes I'll get home in the night, at past 11, my husband is waiting for me to make dinner. He's watching football as now. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> you know, but it was a season. And I had to come to understand that see, until this season will pass. And today, in fact, the things that I learned in that season, they stretched me, but they made me better. Right? They made me better. And even at that, from that season, I knew that ah, this is just, this is not my life goal. Because I'd read, you know, I read in Proverbs 31, it says the woman wakes up and she gives up, she apportions assignment to her maids. So I knew that a time is coming, me too, I will have maids. Right? So don't, don't try and jump the gun. You would have all that button. I'm just trying, I just want to encourage you. You know, don't go and say, ah, you want to get all the help and, and you can't, you know, you're overstretching yourself. You can't afford it at, at this time. Just know that you're just in a season. Very soon, as you keep going, you will get you will get there where you can afford all the help that you need. All right. Okay. Actually, I've been threatening my mom to do. I've, I've been threatening her that I was. I will come and drop the twins with her. So I Jennifer, stretch yourself. <laughs> I'll drop them with pity as well. All right, Curry. Yes. So this question here, I think everyone here can answer. You just answer it in the context of the area that you represent here. So it is. Um, can you share some key pitfalls and common errors that women should be cautious of in their finances, in their career, in their business, in their relationships? So pitfalls that women should avoid in finance. And common errors. Common errors. Um, So one of the things that um, there's this narrative, especially for women, and um, I think we need to ditch it, where... um, one, your children are your retirement plan, you know. Um, see, see, we say Gen Z, Gen Z. I'm not a supporter of that Gen Z spirit, but see, Gen Alpha that is coming. If Gen Z is doing like this, you cannot be planning for their money. <laughs> you can't, right? So wake up, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be intentional. Another thing also that women do is they want to see their money in their account. I've told you. There is the apple, there is the seed, and there is the planting of the seed to produce fruit. If you leave that seed by the windowsill, it will dry up. It's the same thing with leaving your money idle in your bank accounts. I'm sure we know how much bag of rice was five years ago and how much it is right now. Imagine if you put 100k and said, oh, I have 10 bags of rice. How many bags of rice would you have right now? Uh-huh. So... That whole, I want to see my money in my account, I am comfortable with that. The fact is that it does not serve you. And this is not just about Nigeria. 
Inflation is a global situation. Everywhere in the world. If you're in the UK, wherever. So you can't afford, right, to say my goal, my financial strategy is to leave money in my account. That is not all. To save, just save a loan. You have to add some investing to it. Now, women, we are the most intuitive, we are the most whatever, but we are not decisive when it comes to investing. Please, learn, because you can't go blindly. Learn, but take action. Okay, so from the corporate side, I think what I would say, one common misconception is that it's a man's world. And you cannot get to the top unless you are a man. Now, I'm not being naive in saying the glass ceiling doesn't exist. But what I would tell women is don't write yourself out of the game just because you're a woman. Make sure that you decide within yourself, right, I want to do this. And I'm willing to do what it takes in terms of doing the work to get it done. So I'll use myself as an example. I currently manage operations, so I'm the CEO at AutoCheck Africa. We launched AutoCheck Africa. It started in 2020 during the pandemic. So there are eight of us on that team that stepped out to start this company. We started in Nigeria. Now it's in nine different countries across Africa. Now, of the eight of us, I am the only woman. So seven men, one woman, and we started this. Now, it took a lot of work, a lot of effort, late night meetings, travels, like I said. And in fact, it got to a point uh, when we opened the Nigeria office, I remember we were all just gisting after, and one of my colleagues actually said, you know, in fact, I don't even see you as feminine anymore. Now, he was making a compliment because for him, he was just like, he didn't even think of me as a woman. I'm just, I'm right there with them doing everything. So there's no, I'm woman, I'm man. So for young women, please and please believe in yourself. Know that you can do it. You have the capacity and be willing to do it. Now, the other side of it is also young women. Don't hold on to that woman thing in the company. Make everything about, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. And then also for young women, they know me in my office. Young women, you are very particular. There's nothing wrong about dress up, dress down, look fantastic. But do not base your success at work on that external appearance. Make sure you are excellent at your work and you are excellent at how you look. Bring, give it to them, right? But never base it on my success, my promotion, my getting ahead is going to be on how I look, how I walk, how I'm doing. Mm-mm. Do the work and make sure they have no choice because of the work that you have done. That if they are trying to leave you out, it will be very clear that this is blatant prejudice. So make sure you give them absolutely no choice but to reward you and to promote you for the work that you have done. 
Um, so one major misconception that comes to my mind when it comes to business, especially as someone who is trying to, you know, do business with God is thinking that, you know, you're trying to make money to help God push his agenda. You know, I'm trying to make money to help God fulfill his mission. No, we're not trying to make God, we're not trying to help God make money with our businesses. God does not need our money. Scripture says the earth is the Lord and the fullness of the gold and the silver all belongs to him. So you first of all have to understand that you just need to align your business to what God's agenda is. And through your business, it will channel the money. It will channel the resources that he needs to fulfill his agenda. You know, and another thing I would like to also say is that we're literally in a season where you know, a lot of people might not go to church. They might not come to church because different things, people have, you know, church wounds, church odds, but they would interact with your business. They will buy your products. They will use your service. You are the Jesus they see in the marketplace. More people would interact with you in the marketplace than they will interact with church. So I feel like we're in a season where Jesus is really looking for people, you know, who he can, through their businesses, reach the multitudes in the marketplace. So how are you going to, you know, show up for Jesus? It's not by saying, it's not by, like I said earlier, it's not by doing praise and worship in your office every morning. It's not by putting, you know, oh, 528 Jesus company. No, it's by being excellent. It's by being so good. You know, whatever criteria it requires for you to be the best at what you do, be that best. You know, let people see your work and say, ah, this thing is so good. I want to do this. I want to use this person. I want to buy this product. Because that's how you represent Jesus. Because I've come to understand, really, that there's a level of excellence that brings deliverance. We just recently, you know, ended over a project, you know, about four weeks ago. And the, the clients, as we're doing the handover on, on the walkthrough, the clients kept saying, you know, first, she first said, oh, this is world standard. First of all, they are not even based in Nigeria, but she kept saying, this is world standard. And the next thing, she started saying, I feel so much peace here. I feel so much peace. And she was literally teary in her eye. You know, the level of excellence, I don't know what kind of, you know, depression or whatever it is that she was, that as soon as she entered into the space, she first she kept saying, I feel so much peace here. So how is your business representing Christ? You know, how is your business bringing deliverance? Because people are really going through a lot. You know, and we've stepped really into that era where just by wearing your clothes, people should receive healing because people are looking for answers. Just by, you know, coming to your salon, as you know, you touch their hair, they are receiving ideas, tumors are melting. That's the mindset we must begin to have as, you know, apostles sent to the marketplace. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Um, when... I'm talking to my just play music for me or off my mic sound. I had written four things. I'll quickly go through through three of them. Number one, paid for, well, maybe in no particular order, is I realize people talk about personal goals, personal vision. You come into a company, part of the training is that you're learning their vision and the mission statement and what we stand for and our core values and all of that. But in premarital counseling, nine and a half out of ten of my clients don't have a family vision. And when I say family vision, it's not just... Because they come in and they say, we're going to be a model marriage. I'm like, that's the vision in my marriage too. That's probably the vision in FI's marriage too. So all of us, we're called to be worshippers and bring glory to God and make him known. But we all have our specific purposes as well. So um, covenant stands for something. King stands for something. Crosspoint stands for something. 
but we are all in this kingdom business together. So what is the specific purpose of your family? When you look at families in the Bible, you look like at David, at Solomon. You see prophets, prophets there. You see kings there. You see warriors there. There's something there. When you look at Moses, Miriam, Aaron, you see priests. You see um, prophets there as well. When you look at even come home, you look at the Bamiloyes, you see something about entertainment, drama, media, promoting the gospel through that. People that you really, really call couple goals, couple goals in the kingdom, there's something they are targeting and working at that God has called them to. And this is something very important that helps you even in conflict resolution. Because when you want to fight and you realize that this fight is not taking you towards the destination of your purpose, like let's fight tomorrow, let's go to destination today. And by the time that tomorrow comes, remember there's still more purpose to accomplish. I'm telling you it's a very critical thing to do in um, avoiding conflict. So that's number one, without going into too many details. Number two, ladies, again, especially singles, remember that especially before you get married, the ball is in your courts. Like I alluded to earlier, if you complain later that your husband is stupid, you married a stupid man. You chose a stupid man. And if you have chosen, if you have chosen to still call him that, you might be experiencing what you are calling. Right? Um, if you choose a man who is now flirting a lot. He was probably doing something before, but he kept on telling you sorry, or you kept on saying he's just sanguine, so he's just very friendly. But now that you are now married, that friendliness is no longer friendly to you, which is an assignment I always give people in my classes. Don't just celebrate the strengths of your intended, because really and truly, it's the strengths of people that attract us to them. It's so pretty, so confident, so prayerful. I want to be like you. But what is a possible potential downside, if not worked on, of that prayerfulness? What if you marry a woman or a husband that wants to pray for seven hours and doesn't want to spend time with you? We used to like that prayer. So the ball is in your court. Choose well. Um, and this also goes to say, men marry with information. Now they marry with affection. So you need to have a very good balance of both of them before you start loving and all. Because what usually happens to women is we see these sides and we feel maybe, oh, this is just 10%. He's good. He's caring. He's this. He's that. And you feel the 90% will cover for that 10%. But when you marry and you are inside that house together, when you are cutting, when he does that thing you don't like, you can hang up on him. You can go back to your father's house. But now, if you call me as your counselor, I'm not going to give you permission to leave your house. I'll give you tissue. You will spend 30 minutes on the phone. We will pray and I'll ask you to go back to your house. Except your life is under attack physically. Right? Um, So don't do that. If 10% is wrong and you know that the projection of this thing, if I enter the next 10 years of my life with this 10%, it can become like 1 million percent. Deal with it. And finally, again, especially for singles, wrong mindsets to have before you get married. All this bobo, all the men are scum, every man will cheat, um, his money, my money, my money, my money. All those things, they are wrong mindsets. They are not biblical. So please take them out of your mind. Because like I said earlier, if you go into marriage with them, even if it's just a fraction, what the Bible says is that if the hedge is broken, the serpents will bite. So if you go into marriage with those crevices and cracks, it's a hedge that is broken. And the serpent, he will find opportunity for it to come. So when people get divorced, it's not like they got married and they planned, okay, in year 15 we will divorce. But you left a crevice and you know how it is. When your material don't, they tear. Last, last, you know, so I'm going to go, so I'm 
tomorrow, I go manage them today, it will disgrace you that day you climb Okada. And it will just tear. And so that's what happened. You didn't just divorce on that day or on that issue. You divorced 10 years ago when you left that crevice and hedge broken in your mind. So the best thing is to go into your marriage with what the word says and not what stereotypes or patriarchy or matriarchy or feminism, whatever has said, so that you don't divorce before you get divorced. So Pastor Tojo broke the table, smashed it, put it like grinding machine. I don't know. It turned to dust, you know, that kind of thing. Thank you so much, ladies. We're, we're so, I mean, I mean, we want to ask just one tiny bit, one teeny weeny question. And this will be directed to Dr. Mayoko, Ola, and Pastor Tojo. Um, in 30 seconds each, um, can you share specific spiritual practices or insights that you found particularly empowering and has helped you navigate the complexities of modern life as a woman under 40? Like 30 seconds, like, boom. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, repeat the question. Can you share specific spiritual practices or insights okay. that you've found particularly empowering and has helped you navigate the complexities of modern life as a woman under 40? Okay. So, one's practice right, that works for me is, and the complexities, I would say the complexities of life, the complexities, the complexities of an intense career, where you're working long hours, you're balancing so many things, you can get tired very easily. So one of the things that works for me personally is music. And listening to music a lot and using that kind of just continuously uplift myself, renew my mind. And I'm, it's a deliberate practice that I do. So there's sometimes when, you know, you're going through a particularly difficult time. It's a tough time at work. It might be a tough time. It might be a mix of tough time at work, tough time at home. Everything is just basketballs together, right? But you're just deliberately taking time out, going for a walk, um, just blasting music in my mind. And I'm very deliberate about the music I listen to as well, especially in those periods. There's time for the Oambe dance type of music, Christian music, but there's time for just the quiet, you know, type of, and it's just kind of worship, right? Renewing your mind. And so that for me is one thing that I do where if I need to just push through something, even if I'm in the office, I'm plugging my ears, right? I'm working on my laptop, but I'm just listening to music continuously in the background, and I know it's just helping me through. Thank you so much. Okay. For me, um, the first thing is read your Bible prayer every day. Like, <laughs> that song <laughs> is very, very key, right? Um, I think that's like the fundamental thing. Why? Because sometimes... Those words just help you when you least expect it. Um, another thing that I do is that when I am having, uh, I need to, I need something to just change. It's okay. Let's move from this wahala. You know, um, I spend time praying in tongues. I would literally um, put on a four-hour background, and I know that I'm going to pray in tongues from the start of this video, of this YouTube. There's this guy that she, Pastor Tony, uh-huh, that guy. Just play one. Look for the number of hours that like, I can. And it's not one hour. We are going to go long, right? And we will just pray in tongues because we don't know what to pray for, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, and life is like this, right? So even though we're saying 
but the fundamentals, I think God is very gracious. Like the solution to your problem is actually read your Bible, pray every day and worship. Everything is inside there. I think sometimes, um, I remember Pastor Paul saying once that God is so easy. You need someone to help you complicate him. And so it's just so easy, but we want the seven keys to that, eight padlocks to that, seven steps to this. Read your Bible, pray every day. So one thing that really works for me is I'm such a simple person. I'm, I don't know if it's my personality or how I was raised. And I remember Funta saying something to me one time. We were having a different conversation I will not go into. And she said, so it just looks like your life is easy, that things just come easy for you. I genuinely believe, even unconsciously, that I'm an earthly being having, I'm a spiritual being having an earthly experience. I truly believe that I'm of the kingdom of God. So the things of the kingdom should work for me. My spiritual great, my spiritual grandfather has now gone to be with the Lord. He says something, and I've been working with it in my life for about six, seven years. He says, I might not be the best, but I will always get the prize. Ah, the day he said that thing, he hit me. And so I go about with that mentality that if Jesus has died for me, you know when they say Kukuma came me now, Jesus Kukuma died. So things will happen for me. Things will work for me. No matter what the economy is, things will work for me. Um, it might be tough juggling being a mom and all of that, but I have strength because the Bible says I have strength. I truly believe what the word of God has said about me. I align with it. And even if I'm not always the best, I will always get the prize. And the prize does not mean I'm competing with you or you're not good in your own thing. It does mean I'm enjoying my life. So I face my lane and I think it really works for me. And I don't put myself under any form of pressure at all. Thank you so much. Please, a round of applause for these phenomenal women. Ladies, I'm so sorry, but we got to go. The evening session is starting very soon. We love you. Don't worry. I'll hug you personally after this. All right? Um, but there was something Corey and I came up with while we were just in. Pity doesn't know this, but please, can every young lady in the room please stand and then just connect to someone beside you. Just hold someone. Um, these women will rise and, you know, because... Um, PT, Dr. Mayoko and all that spoke last, I would give the mic to Mrs. Fontor on behalf of all of them and you know, Ma, you're going to pray for all of us me, like this, I'm coming down like this because uh, it's serious stuff please, are you connecting with a sister beside you? So you're going to just pray for us. I mean, every lady here is under 40. Some are still navigating life and the deepness and intenseness of what the li- of life is bringing our way. Please pray for us. And so, Father, we thank you for your daughters. We thank you for your daughters gathered here physically and those watching online and even those who will watch, you know, these days after, weeks after, and years after. We thank you because indeed you've given them the strength for the destinies that you have called them to. We thank you because indeed we know that because of you, they can overcome whatever the enemy throws their way. We thank you because they've come to understand who they are in you and whose they are. Thank you, Father, because their identity in you is secured. We thank you because they will never, ever, ever forget who they are and whose they are. And they would indeed from this moment on go ahead to be all that you have called them to be. They will go ahead to be the women that you have created them to be for such a time as this that they will not miss their calling. They will not be distracted from destiny in the name 
of Jesus. They went for those who are single. When it's time to marry, they would marry right. For those who are married, the the wine of their marriage will keep going sweeter and sweeter. For those in business, you would always bless them with supernatural ideas, concepts, and strategies. For those in career, you would give them supernatural wisdom to climb the career ladder to whatever height you've called them to be. In the name of Jesus, none of this will fail. None of them will fall because your word says that you are holding us and you're keeping us from falling to present us before you blameless. We thank you, Father, for they will not fail. They will not fall. They will not falter. And Father, when it's all said and done, we would hear you say, well done, my good and faithful daughters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.